Thank you for joining us here at I-80 Sports. I'm Brian, he's Tom, and tonight is the NHL Interchange Halloween Special. Thank you for joining us here at the NHL Interchange. Make sure you follow us on IADsports.com, on Twitter, at I-80 underscore sports NHL, and on Facebook on the I-80 Sports Discussion Group. Tom, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. We are in sort of a uh, a holding period right now, I guess you could say. Normally, this would be like the dog days of July and August, but obviously it's not July and August right now. We are in the dog days of uh Late October, early November, it's a crazy world we're living in out there, you know. But um, uh, some news, not a lot, but some uh, interesting news. And we'll have, uh, we have a little bit of a special thing to do for you guys tonight. So let's get into it. Exactly. And, of course, you can you know catch all of the news and rumblings from us at I-80 underscore sports NHL. You can follow us on the ticker below. So let's get into this. We'll get into a, a couple minutes of some little news and notes around the league, and then we'll get into our Halloween special. So first and foremost, probably the biggest news coming out of this week, we saw that the Winter Classic and All-Star Game for this upcoming season have more than likely been canceled, even though it has been not fully confirmed by the commissioner yet. It is a certainty that it is canceled. Uh, to me, this is probably the right call as it costs a lot of money to run those uh, these events. And events like these really rely on fan attendance and merchandise revenue. So, Tom, what's your two cents? Uh, well, I'm actually going to go a little backwards. I'm going to start with the All-Star game first. I think it was kind of a dead given that that was going to happen with this January 1st start date. And them talking about wanting an 82-game season. I just don't see an 82-game season happening with a January 1st start date. More often than not, when you are in those January starts and those lockout years, you don't have an all-star game. Um, I guess the um, uh, the bad thing about the all-star game is now, is out. now I'm personally not a fan of it. For those who are, you're probably not going to see it now until 2023, just because next year is an Olympic year. And as far as I know, they have agreed to send the players back to the Olympics. So it looks like the all-star game is going to be put on hold. But at the same time, it's really not a heavily watched event anymore. Um, it's more of kind of a gimmick, but the thing is, is that I know someone who was out in St. Louis last year. It really depends on, like, you know, they have the convention at the convention center, whatever the city they're in, the skills competition, just the various events and goings on around the rink. It really is a fan-driven thing. And the thing with the Winter Classic is it's sort of the same thing, even though that draws maybe a little bit of a bigger TV crowd because it's a January 1st game and um, – you know, it draws people. It draws people to watch it in the afternoon before the bowl games, before any NFL games. That is also a very fan-driven event. That the stadiums here is a Winter Classic more so because there's a lot more hype around the Winter Classic. Um, I've been to a Winter Classic. I was at the one in Philly down, the one in Philly in 2012. Um, even though it's a great thing for TV, for NBC, and for CBC, um, it still really is with those stadiums, um, with those stadiums, and more fans coming in. It's really based on fan revenue. The events were like the alumni game and then all the events they have going on around the stadium at the time when the game starts before the game and after the game. So I can understand why they did it. I thought that maybe they would do a Winter Classic this year, but now with the uncertainty with having fans or not, I can understand why they canceled. To play an outdoor game in front of nobody just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and that's true. And like I had mentioned before, it really relies on fan attendance and merchandise revenue to run these events. And it's a lot of manpower and it's a lot of uh, staff that needs to run these events because they are built for 
you know, an exceeding amount of fans at what you're used to, you know, over like well over 25,000 fans, especially for the winter classic. And the staffing needs to go up for events such as that as well to be run out in an outdoor stadium. So it's understandable with the current unprecedented, unprecedented circumstances, why you can't necessarily run an event such as this. The last bit of news before we get into our Halloween special is we have a little bit of rumors going around based on our topic from last week, which if you didn't catch us last week, you can catch us every Monday night for the NHL interchange on our IED sports YouTube page. So this was something that actually I mentioned on our Twitter page, which, you know, just to plug Twitter one more time, it's down in the banner below. <laughs> so uh, Jonathan Taves of the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, is a name being thrown around in trade rumors right now. We discussed last week that Chicago is, in fact, selling. They are currently in a rebuild phase, as announced by their owner in a letter to the fans. And one name, one team that has been rumored uh, as a landing spot for Jonathan Taves is Tom's very favorite, the New York Rangers. Now, if you don't follow us on Twitter, this was one of my more recent posts on Twitter. I had said that if I'm a competitive team and I am a team that is looking to you know, make a legitimate Stanley Cup run, I would be on the phone with the Chicago Blackhawks today. I would be on the phone with them yesterday to try to poach a talent like Jonathan Taves. He is the most valuable Blackhawk available, not named Patrick Kane. And... I honestly believe any competitive team should be going after Jonathan Tapes. Tom, what's your thoughts on the current rumor? Well, there's um a couple there's a couple things that come to mind right now with this. Um, number one, I don't think Taves is going to go anywhere right away. I don't think Taves may he may not even move into in this in this next coming season. That's one thing, and it's just because number one because of the cap, and number two because of his contract. If Taves is moved, I think Chicago is probably going to have to eat half of that salary because I don't think anyone. With this flat cap that's stuck the way it is, is going to take him at $10.5 million. This is not going to happen. As far as the Rangers are concerned, you had mentioned a team that's Stanley Cup ready. As of right now, I don't know. I don't think they are Stanley Cup ready. I don't think they're there yet. I think that they have the pieces. I think they have the young kids. I think they have the veterans. Just a matter of getting it going. You know, they did. People forget right before a Lafreniere mania, and believe me, I was a, I was a, uh, went into the Lafreniere mania too. Um, what people forget about is that um they did not play so well against Carolina in those playoffs. And this team really needs to make some strides in the regular season and maybe even get into a playoff series and either win one, two or three games or even maybe even steal a series before you even think about going after Taves. Another factor that may hold them back, too, is that they have two centers right now who they may be very high on in Carl Henriksen, who's playing over in Sweden, Morgan Barron, who's scheduled to play for the Wolfpack this year. Now, I'm going to take it back maybe 20 years now with the Rangers when they went on that free agent frenzy. And, you know, at the time, as we know, it went terrible. At the time, it seemed great. And when they went up and picked up Theo Fleury, Valerie Kamensky, all those guys, and everyone was saying, oh, they need a center to play behind Peter Nedved. They need a center to play behind Peter Nedved. They didn't go out and get that center because they already had that center. They had Mike York. Mike York had come into camp and dazzled. And I am wondering is if they are maybe leaning on Morgan Barron to do the same thing. If Morgan Barron comes into camp and makes a team out of camp or Morgan Barron starts tearing it up this year in the AHL and they bring him up to play maybe on the third line and Heedle has a good year too and pops up on the second line, you know, and those guys are saying, okay, well, we have them. We don't need to go after Taves now. 
So I think that's another thing too, is you still, they still are kind of, I don't know if they're in so much the rebuild as in, okay, now they have the pieces from the rebuild. It's just a matter of going to the next step between rebuild and contender step two. There's really no name for it. But I, I do think that if anything happens with Taves and the Rangers, it will not happen until next offseason. Interesting tidbits on Jonathan Taves there. Now it is officially time to get into our Halloween special. So we do have to give some props real quick to our buddy Bob at IED Sports. You can catch him on multiple of the IED Sports channels uh, throughout the week. You can catch him on uh, the football channel, on the MLS channel, and every Sunday live streaming before NFL kickoff at 1 p.m. They're usually on around 11.30. Make sure you check them out. And he created some really a really cool concept for this Halloween special uh, where what we're going to do is we're going to compare a couple players to a couple of spooky entities. So here's how this is going to go. We're going to go through every spooky entity. I'll introduce each one, and then we'll go through of which player we feel like best identifies with this. This is very akin to our Shark Week special from back in August, which you can always check that back on the YouTube channel as well. So let's get into this. So first on our Halloween specials list, we have this skeleton. This member of the undead skips all the frills and flesh to provide a more bare bones approach. Nothing unnecessary required for a creature who produces. So, Tom, I'll let you start. Who do you think in the NHL best identifies with the skeleton? I'm going to go with Braden Point here. Point had a hell of a finals, and I just really like to watch Braden Point. He played in all three zones. There was nothing fancy about him, nothing dipsy deal. He just played a straight-up north-south game in those finals. I love everything he did, and um, if I had to pick somebody who was a just straight-to-the-point type of player, his last name is Point. His first name is Braden. Braden Point. I very much agree with your pick. My pick for this, it's Alex the Great, Alex Ovechkin, and I feel like he is a very bare-bones type of player where he is just Skill, 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 skill. He has proved it ever since he was drafted in 2004. And there's a reason why he was the number one overall pick then. And he has one of the most ferocious one-time shots in the league. If you are a team that's on the penalty kill, you better get over to Alexander Ovechkin quickly and make sure that he doesn't have any opportunity to shoot. Because nine times out of ten, he's scoring that goal on the power play. So, Alexander Ovechkin and Braden Point. Best identify with the skeleton. Moving on to our next spooky entity, the mummy. The mummy was left for dead, wrapped up and sent off. But he had much more left to offer. This is a member of the undead who has more to offer in the afterlife. So Tom, I'll throw it to you. Who best identifies with the mummy? Okay, I'm actually – I this is kind of a two-part answer for me, and um, I guess I'm keeping it in the Stanley Cup Finals. I hate to keep that theme going, but um, uh, there were two guys this year in the Finals who um, uh, really showed up, and guys who were left for dead by their teams, and these two are uh, Corey Perry and Kevin Shattenkirk. Corey Perry was kind of left for dead by Anaheim, was considered done, and Kevin Shattenkirk was kind of left for dead by the Rangers and considered done. And um, uh, 
both guys kind of, uh, you know, came back, showed that they weren't done yet. They weren't sent off. They weren't dead yet. Came back and really showed what they could do in the finals. And the funny part about it was they both had back-to-back -back overtime winners in game five and game six. So I got to go with Corey Perry and Kevin Shattenkirk here. Um, it was, they definitely showed who they could be in the finals. They definitely showed flashes of them of their old selves and showed that they were not Asmunds at that point. Interesting choices for the mummy there. For my choice for the mummy, I had to go with Ilya Kovalchuk, who was left for dead by the LA Kings when he came back into the NHL after a multi-year absence, was tossed aside by the Kings, picked up by Montreal on a very low contract, I might add. And he took that ball and he ran with it. And Montreal capitalized on what he provided for them up until the trade deadline when he was dealt to the Washington Capitals, where he was still a factor in the NHL playoffs for the Washington Capitals. Now, Ilya Kovalchuk currently is a free agent right now, so we could actually see him rise from the dead twice. Could we see him go to a team and replicate exactly what he did in Montreal? Who knows? We're just going to have to find out. Moving on to our spooky entities, probably the most famous of the spooky creatures in Halloween when we think about Halloween, the Frankenstein's monster. Superhuman in strength and speed, this mutant freak is a combination of skill sets. This monster makes it seem as if he is, is a real science experiment. Tom, who's the Frankenstein monster of the league? I got to go with someone real obvious here. Um, I hate to say the term mutant freak and associate this guy with it, but I got to go with Zidane Chara. The guy is humongous pretty much. He's tall. He is um, – um, I have his height right here. Give me a minute. You know, he's uh, 6'9", you know, 250 pounds, really is a freak of nature out there. And to add on to that, 43 years old, still playing – Cap was number still number one guy, still number still the captain of Boston, still their number one defenseman. He's a free agent now, so who knows where he's going to be? But um, uh, you know, even up until up until this year, he was you know the go-to guy on their back on their back line, you know. And um, last year in the playoffs, he was heavily relied upon, especially towards the end there. You know, the Bruins were heavily relying on him to be healthy in order to carry them through those finals with St. Louis. They didn't win, but still, at forty-two years old, still have that kind of an impact. I have to go with Dan Chara here. The guy just doesn't age and doesn't slow down. I do tend to agree when it comes to uh, Zdeno Chara. He is a freak of nature. He is a Frankenstein monster when you think about it. And another player who is a bit of a Frankenstein monster on the younger side is Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche. The man is strong like a bull, can move as quick as the rest of the superstars in the league, and there's a reason why he's a franchise player with the Colorado Avalanche, he really truly is a science experiment. And it's paying off dividends for Colorado as their science experiment could very well lead them to a Stanley Cup within the next few years. If not, could be even be the Stanley Cup favorite for this upcoming year, led by their own Frankenstein monster. Moving on on our spooky list of entities, we have the Scarecrow. It may be scary at first, but the Scarecrow's usefulness comes mostly as a decoy. It is one of the oldest and most diverse human creations worldwide. So that being said, Tom, 
Who's the scarecrow of the league? Um, I have two guys here. One guy is obvious and one guy not so much, but his father was that way. Um, my obvious guy here is Brad Marchand. He really is a guy who is a pest. He really is a guy who, you know, can create havoc out there. And he's the word decoy is using this. I feel like Marchand always acts as a decoy out there, always goes people into doing th things, always, you know, plays with that little physical edge and opens up the ice for uh, uh, Patrice Bergeron and for uh, Pasternak out there, you know. And I feel like, I mean, that's been the pest role for years. I've discussed this in previous episodes how Marchand does it a little bit better where he can be a 100-point player. But I feel like if there is one guy out there whose usefulness comes as a decoy, it's got to be Marchand. Now, there's another guy who is the son of a person who really made a career of doing that, and that is uh, Claude Lemieux's son, Brendan Lemieux. As a Ranger fan, one thing I noticed this past year is that when Capo Caco had the November he had where he really was scoring goals and was really looking like the player that he could become and I think he will become, it was because he had Brendan Lemieux on his line. He had Brendan Lemieux, you know, taking away the top defensive players away from him, taking away the pressure from him, you know, kind of drawing the pressure to himself, acting as a decoy so Caco could do his thing out there. So Brendan Lemieux also comes to mind for this answer. Both very good answers. To me, I'm going to go with the traditional approach to the Scarecrow when we're thinking about, you know, one of the oldest and most diverse human creations worldwide. This is a man who's been in the league since the late 90s. It's Jumbo Joe Thornton, who has now found a new home with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And yeah, it's true. When you first look at Joe Thornton, you're a little scared. I showed my fiance Joe Thornton for the first time. She was scared. And... I truly believe that his usefulness comes not only on the ice, contributing assists and scoring goals, but his usefulness also comes in terms of leadership. And he is going to be going on to a very young uh, Toronto Maple Leafs team that is in need of some guidance on, you know, from a weary traveler such as Joe Thornton himself. And his usefulness will be felt throughout the league. So finally, on our list of spooky entities, we have come to the final spooky entity, probably the most obvious one that we have left off the list so far, and that is the ghost. The ghost is the spirit of the deceased, and it takes many forms in the supernatural world. Among his best tricks, becoming invisible and popping up in the most useful places. So, Tom... I will let you take it away. Who's the ghost of the league? I'm going to go with um, uh, a former Ranger here and somebody who this is really starting to turn it up where he is now, and that is JT Miller. JT Miller initially started in New York kind of as a third and fourth liner, but um, um, wound, in, wound up in 2015 playing on line one with them. Um, in 2016, he had what, he, what was at the time his best statistical season, and then the following year, they finally found two good linemen for him in Kevin Hayes and Michael Grabner. You know, Miller was have Miller had some house, had some really good years in New York. The problem with that was Orton decided to break the team up and do the rebuild, hence why we are where we are now. I won't go any more into that. Um, Miller was eventually then shipped to Tampa Bay. When he was in Tampa Bay, you know, he started to he played with Stamkos initially, you know, and was having himself a couple decent years. But then all of a sudden disappeared there, found himself, you know, kind of on the third and fourth line, found himself out of the lineup every now and then. So Tampa had figured, okay, this kid is done. You know, he's not what he used to be. He's not going to come up to be the player we thought he would be. So they ship him off to Vancouver. What does he do in Vancouver? Has his best 
statistical year to this point. Wow, I don't know why I can't say that word today. 27 goals, 45 points, 72 points in Vancouver this year. And he looks like that he will be a stalwart for Vancouver for a while. Or maybe he won't be. Maybe he'll disappear again. And maybe somewhere down the line we'll be talking about JT Miller going somewhere else and really starting to tear it up. Who knows? But that's the one guy I really, that really comes to mind when I think of this is JT Miller. It's a very good choice for the ghost. To me, the name that came to mind for me, this was a tough category for me. But I had to go with JVR, James Van Riemsdyk of the Philadelphia Flyers. He is a younger player who has now been on two separate teams up to this point. And finding himself on a deep Philadelphia Flyers team that you look on the roster and you see him on the ice and you instantly remember, oh yeah, JVR is on the Philadelphia Flyers. And... He is a man who makes his presence known at the most unlikeliest of times. He kept Philadelphia away from the brink of elimination twice in this NHL playoffs. He was very useful in those situations. Otherwise, did disappear from time to time like a ghost. Will he disappear again this upcoming season? Who knows? Kind of like hopping on with Tom with what he said with JT Miller. Anything can happen. We might be talking about another ghost next year. Who knows? But what are your thoughts? Do you think we missed anybody on our list of spooky entities? You can certainly let us know. Because that being said, looks like we are wrapping up this NHL Interchange Halloween special. Thank you guys for checking us out at IADsports.com. Make sure you follow us on our Twitter below at I80 underscore sports NHL. We are so close to 300 followers and we want to break that and go even further. So if you're not following us on Twitter yet, what are you doing? Follow us and make sure you also follow us on Facebook at the I80 sports discussion group. We'll be coming to you next week with some division previews. We'll be starting a month long series on division previews next week. We'll be highlighting our first division, but I've been Brian. He's been Tom. This has been the NHL Interchange.